Libators, it's your guy, Charles. Let me bend your ear about our sponsors at Plift. Sometimes we don't feel like traditional alcohol libations, or perhaps you're living an alcohol-free lifestyle but still imbibe in THC. With Plift's flavor-forward lineup of classic cocktail-inspired beverages, there's something for everyone. Classic vices made modern and perfectly dosed for any major or casual social occasion. Plift is available in multiple U.S. states and growing rapidly. Find out more at Plift.com. That's P-L-I-F-T dot com. Hey, Quam, let's libate. How do you find it working uh, with your sibling? Clearly you like it a lot because you've been doing it for some time. We do like it. Um, You know, I think it's like any partnership. It's like there's you know, obviously like you have to get on the same page as far as like what you want to do, like in your trajectory of your career. Um, so I think we're very similar on that. Like we both really enjoy, you know, enjoyed staffing on Bob's and then now we run our own show and, um, we have, I think, we have an advantage just because when you're working with a sibling, you just have like that shorthand and you have that collective like history together. So it's just like, it kind of takes, I think our style and our sensibility is so similar just because we kind of grew up in a similar way. So that's good. And you know, I think like we've obviously had moments where we had to have be like, we have to have to like figure out how to work together through this (laughs) time or like someone's like upset about something the other person did. But I think, I don't know. There's also like this thing where you're like, well, we're never going to like break up our partnership because we're sisters. So that would right. be like too, you know, so there's like this safety net there. That's really, yeah. I don't know, comforting. So I, I don't know. We like it. It's, it's really been good for us, but I, I know a lot of other people that are like, I can never work with a sibling. There's also five of us in my family, five siblings. And we're like, she's number two and I'm number five. So we didn't oh. have we weren't super like we were close growing up like emotionally but we weren't close in age so we didn't like go to school together so i think that helps do you find that your personalities are more complementary or more contrasting like are you a yin and yang thing or are you guys like very similar i think our our like writing style and our sensibility and our things that like our taste in comedy and movies everything is very similar i don't feel like we're that different but i think guess we're like a little yin and yang as far as like our lifestyles um <laughs> I don't know yeah I guess we're I wouldn't say we're so it's not like opposites attracting where I'm like I'm like this and she's totally the other way but yeah. we're not you're still siblings um, <laughs> at the end of the day not like that twin vibe or whatever <laughs> yeah for sure right yeah, yeah like my brother and I we sound alike and we have a lot of commonalities but our personalities like at our core are quite different so it, it might be a similar thing, you know, siblings, yeah. siblings, uh, you know, you're on the same wavelength, but there are things about you that make you individuals. How far apart in age are you and your brother? Uh, three years. Okay. Yeah. So you're closer. Yeah. We're three but siblings. But that's still like a lot. I mean, that's mm-hmm. still a good space. What's the difference between uh, you and your sister that you work with? We're eight years. Eight years. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's five siblings. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is it just you and your brother? Uh, we are three brothers. I have, I'm, I'm the middle boy and we're all three years apart. So I have an older brother and a younger brother. Okay. So you're the middle child. Yeah. How are you, uh, enjoying your summer so far? Um, you know, it's, it's okay. It's so cold here in LA. Really? It's been like 
it's yeah, it's raining today. Like it's freezing. It's wild. Like we got a couple days of hot weather and we we're like, yep, okay, here it is, like settling in. And then it like started raining again this week. So I don't know. It's been, but I guess it's weird everywhere. Like New York's right. on fire. Yeah. The photos are troubling. It looks like, yeah. uh, it looks like Fallout New Vegas. Just, yeah. It, it looks, yeah, it doesn't look good. Uh, have you been doing any fun summer activities? I know, are you, so you're you're kind of on hiatus at the moment, right? We, we want to talk about that, but I don't want to talk about it until Quam gets in his seat. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so, yeah, we're on strike, so I'm not doing, I'm usually protesting for a good yeah. chunk of my day. And then, I mean, I guess I'm having, in a way, I'm, like, having, like, a forced summer because I don't have any, like, I can't work. So it right. is a little bit like being in high school or something where I'm, like, there's nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. So that's been nice. And with, like, kids and working full-time most of the last, like, four years. But, so I'm just, like, okay, cool. I guess I'm, like, I can watch, like, an entire season of a Bravo show in yeah. one day if I want. <laughs> there you go. No trash TV. What's your trash TV of choice right now? <laughs> Well, I am a Vanderpump Rules fan. See, I haven't I done it yet, but I know I need to because I love trash TV. I right. love it. I okay. it's it's very good, and I feel like me and this is out to everyone who has been on Vanderpump for its entirety. Like we've earned it. We've earned this season where like it got really salacious <laughs> and there was this crazy scandal. It's like we put up through the boring years, the last uh. like two seasons. For this we're just like it was like why am I still watching this I'm 40 and like there's gotta be more to life but then now I'm like okay no I held on and this is this is the way the Lord has repaid me for something so stressful it's actually a nice stress reliever <laughs> I don't know how that works necessarily but uh like today a friend sent me a screenshot from Netflix or whatever I forget what streaming service it is but he was like oh shit and it was a screenshot of the fact that there's a Netherlands edition of F Boy Island. That's how deep down the the rabbit hole oh I am. <laughs> He's telling me to watch the Netherlands F Boy Island. How yeah. far I've fallen. So, do you think I should jump right into Vamber, Vanderpump where it is now, or do you think it's worth watching from the beginning if I were to start watching it? I mean, I would go back because there's there was like a lot of really good scandals at the beginning too. Okay. Like there's it's just, just they're seasons. awful. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Isn't that the that's the whole key? Is that there's such fucking awful people that. It's so fun yeah. to watch. Like it's any so good trash TV show. What's your number one trash TV show? It's usually just whatever one's on right now. So <laughs> I've, I've been watching you... the new day of 90 Day Fiance, you know. Oh, yeah. I can get into that 90 Day Fiance. Like show. it shouldn't be trash TV, right? It should be heartwarming. <laughs> but they pick people. They're like, we're only, we only pop ratings when these people are trying to kill one another. It's true. Yeah. Do you I'll watch your the, TV. Do you watch the other way? Ninety Day the other way. I try it's basically to. Basically the same show. There's too many, so I watched the main one, and then there was one other one. I forget the name. Of, so I watched two of them. I don't remember the other one, but I can't keep yeah. up. There's like thirty of them. There's so a lot, much. and then like oh, and now they do the thing where they have the people from the last season like watch the new season like in their rooms <laughs> oh, and like yeah. comment do commentary and it was like I this is absolutely not something that was necessary. It's a whole ecosystem. But I'll still watch it. Can't wait till they do the 90 day uh Bamaha cruise that I spring for when they're all on there. Every one of them's yes. on the ship. You have to meet everybody. In a boat where you can't get away from them. Exactly. You're just on top of each other. The worst people ever just all over each other. Yeah. This is awesome. I mean I would probably, I like the thing, it was like when BravoCon was happening, I was like, 
I pro like I would go. Like that's not like I know Matt would just be like, what? <laughs> how, how have we arrived here? Yeah. <laughs> well, yuck my yum. But does does Matt would he ever get like the the humor in that? Because I love stuff like that where like I feel like I'm just going undercover and watching like the same way I feel at the state fair. Like I just yeah. want to see a cross section of this side of the world and just follow him around for a while. I think he would, but and I think, but I think he would know deep down that like ten percent of me was actually like, "This is great." Like, <laughs> like I'd be like, "I'm not like everyone else here," but like I still sort of am. Yeah. Like I, yeah, like where there's a that line is it's definitely bleeding into like I'm an actual fan. They're not mutually exclusive. You could be right. like, we, we joke around that he's the fine dino and I'm the trash panda. Like I'll still appreciate <laughs> a really good meal, but I'll also whoop it up at a awesome dive bar in LA with two homies and crush some high lifes and uh, like laugh that. at a shirtless guy, just dancing for a while with a lady with all of her stuff oh popping God, out. I forgot about that night. That was so exhilarating. <laughs> oh God, this is a specific experience. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll do that too, though. Some, oh, no, I'm just saying, like... I might be the shirtless guy. I'm just saying I exist in both realms comfortably. <laughs> so if we want to trash it up, let's trash it up. Let's go. I don't think you have to be... I, my point was you don't have to be one or the other. Yeah. Right. There are shades. Yes, we can all contain multitudes. <laughs> 50 shades of truth. Also, hello, and it's so wonderful to see your face. Hi, Ben. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. Oh, just did a little uh, F1 formula racing on the highway today. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't driven like that since like college. That was fun. Someone remarked like an hour. I'm glad hour, you made it back alive. Someone remarked like an hour ago at Club Caraway where we record like, hope nothing goes wrong. And we were like, we're having a great day. Nothing's going to go wrong. And then we were like, something might go wrong. And then the fucking headphones don't work. So there like, is, uh, why don't these headphones? The, there is a sensibility. And I swear, I, I, attribute it to the midwest that there's a you can never say things are going too well because something bad is always about to happen so like in um like when i go when i go back to norway my friends will all say like something really amazing happens and they're like yep could be worse like that's their brag is like i'm right. acknowledging that this is good enough that i know that there's something worse that could happen and then <laughs> our sports teams here in town just sort of mimic that phrase the whole time it's like yeah we're okay you're fine right You'll be all right. So we touched on we we got to know one another. Yeah, good. I'm happy about that. Rolling. We didn't, you know, we are not familiar with one another, so we got to know one another a little bit. But uh, what we waited to discuss is uh, the strike stuff. If we want to have a little bit of a conversation about that, whatever you're yeah. uh, comfortable speaking about with us, we, we do. Um, we we will kind of touch on this in in like in our questions as well. But both Charles and I um, have like have had writing as part of a profession before. Like we are also we are I I called myself a writer on all my bios. It's um, there was a chunk of my life where I really thought that that's where I was going to end up, and I think that in all <laughs> the shitstorm that is this country right now. Um, I think it's kind of getting lost in the news cycle with DeSantis and Trump throwing mud at each other and all the other bullshit. This is an incredibly important thing that is happening mostly in both coasts, but also getting backing in every other city. And I just wanted to, to ask you, uh, as somebody who's, who's out there in LA and seeing everybody, like, what's the vibe? How, how, how are people feeling out there? And I, I guess I mean, in essence, no. yeah. No, 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 please get, go on. Well, no, I was going to say, and like, where would you like to see the path move forward for for the writers? Yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like the vibe is good with the writers. Like, I feel like the vibe of, like, what's happening is, like, very bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but 
the vibe of like all of the writers being together on the picket lines every day like is good it's strong I think you know it's like we're on week six so like it's an interesting uh, the sort of like timeline of it's been a little interesting because there was so much energy going in because you like do the vote and then they don't you know we're not approving it and like you're like I'm going on strike and there's like this flurry of activity and action and you know, everyone has to step away from all their duties and it's, it was like confusing, but definitely really like rah, rah. It was like a lot of energy and it's hard to sustain that obviously yeah. for six weeks, but I feel like every time I go, it's like, it's still, that's still the vibe. Like people are bringing food. There's like themes every day, you know, like different groups of different writers um, will sort of like have their days. Like we did an animation day at Netflix. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you see all, you know, the other you know, a lot of adult animation writers, um, I think there was, it's not strictly adult animation, but you would see a lot of the people you know just from other staffs and things mm. like that. So I think there's this great, like, you know, sense of community. Everybody is serious and, like, dedicated to, you know, you know, sticking to the strike until we can get a fair deal. I think there hasn't been, like, really any steps forward. Mm. Um from the you know yeah. from the studios since they basically you know get you know gave us back their reaction to the deal we offered so I think it's gonna be a little while is my guess like it doesn't feel like there's currently like today it doesn't feel like there's like a huge push and people are feeling like okay they're gonna they're gonna come back and we're gonna settle this but um, there's so much at stake and I think so much of this is because there wasn't because of the pandemic, there was, you know, there wasn't a strike for the last, like when we negotiated last time in 2020, it was like everyone was working from home. There's just so much going on that I think a lot of the issues that were starting to like sort of bubble up with streaming and everything just kind of got pushed down the road sure. because there was people who just like weren't ready to like wrap their brains around that when we were all like wiping down groceries and all <laughs> that. Um, so... So, yeah, I think there's just a lot on the line, you know, just I guess to sum it up, like quickly for people that, you know, don't maybe don't know the ins and outs of it all is just that, you know, streaming has just created such a different work system for writers. And it's basically taken what used to most of the time be like a staff job that you could like use as a career, like a lot, you know, when it was just network TV, it was like shows got 22 episodes and so if you were hired on you were on for you know maybe not 52 weeks but you were on for at least 40 weeks sure. you know you were getting you were you were there from like the early stages of the show being written you were you know if it was live action you were probably there on set you were like you were seeing this whole thing happen through um you know through the end of production and you were getting that experience you were also just getting that steady paycheck so it allowed people to like have a career and now you know, I think with the rise of streaming, there's been this rise of things called like mini rooms and stuff like that, where they just, they kind of hire small groups of writers a lot of times on for like rooms that are like eight weeks or 12 weeks. And they, you know, want to get the episodes broken. Like we need this whole season sort of like broken out, but we're not, sometimes they're not even sure if they're picking up the show yet. Sure. So it's like, and people take the jobs because obviously everybody wants to get, you know, either their foot in the door or a paycheck or whatever it is. And then, you know, when those weeks are up, it's like you have to move on to something else. And so it's like this system, creating this system now that's more of like a gig system where it's like, you know, you're kind of freelancing, you're doing this, you're doing that. And that's really 
you know, really difficult for people to sustain like an income and really treat this as a career. So there's obviously all the like AI issues and all of that too, which I feel like I'm like a little out of my depth on like what the policy should be on that and everything. But um, I think for the most part, I think it's just like writers just want to get a fair wage and residuals and all of that. So we can like, you can be a writer as a career because at a certain point, if it's like you can't click into like a, you know, a real job, you know, even if it is just year to year, if you can't sustain that, that income, like you kind of have to step away and do something else. So, well, and, and for our listeners that, that maybe aren't super familiar with, with how, you know, sort of the, the TV and movie machine work or to our, our friends uh, around the world that maybe just aren't familiar with the Hollywood system at all. Uh, we, it's not like there's less profits to go around. Like first, yeah. first things first <laughs> record profits going on. And there, there's no Robin hood situation where they're just taking the money and giving it to people. Like there's clear greed going on as well. And then it almost seems like the TV and movie execs figured out how to just pattern after the streaming stuff where we completely devalued musicians, but then allowed a few streaming services to take all the money. And now we're doing the same thing where, you know, you used to be able, if you were a writer on a show, you could get paid in perpetuity when something went into syndication. And now what you have is even, even as soon as the job is done, you're basically done as well, except for the 0.00001 cent that you might get per stream. Um, And, and so it, again, it's, it's a mixture of corporate greed and also the lack of anybody wanting to move forward to figure out an equitable solution for technology, which is just miserable. And also how a bunch of people ended up with podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take over the world. Well, yeah, that is true. It's very similar to, yeah, sort of how, how all of that sort of evolved with music and everybody getting their, you know, you weren't selling records and CDs, all that stuff. I'm not, you know, the most knowledgeable on it all, but I know that things have certainly changed the way artists make money now. And, um, it's, yeah, it's very true. It's, you know, and there's, there's that discrepancy because big streaming movies, the budgets for them are still the same as what the budget would be for a theatrical release a lot of the time. So Mm. they're still, and they're, they're still paying those A-list actors a lot of money to be in them, rightfully so. Um, but they should, you know, everyone else should be paid the same as well and be able to make money off of it the same way you would if you had the number one, you know, movie in the box office for eight weeks or whatever. If you were the writer of that movie, you would be getting some sort of, you know, most of the time you'd be getting some sort of piece of that in success. So, you know, but streaming, they sort of, I feel like they kind of can bury stuff and just not release numbers and, and all of that. So I think it's, yeah, it's exactly what that doesn't sound like any executives of any media company throughout the history of our country ruining things over and over and over again until we stand up for things. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it's it's really it's heartening for us in in Minneapolis, St. Paul, to be able to at least look on social media and see the amount of attention that it's getting through socials, you know, from everybody from from actors to writers to. Uh, you, you know, just the face of whatever form of entertainment, it kind of seems like there's a lot of solidarity down there. And a lot of people are just just working hard to figure out what to do. Yeah, and it's good. And I think the good, like the really important thing, I think the cool thing that streaming has created this, you know, there's so many more shows and there's, you know, there's so much more that you can see on your TV, whether, you know, it's, even on network TV, it's, it's sort of crossed over into that now too. It's created this space for so many more voices 
and shows and talent that we wouldn't have been able to see, you know, because I think there was always that mindset of how do we make something for like a mass audience instead of for like a little bit more specific. So I think those voices are finally getting out there and getting heard and we're seeing these amazing shows, right? Like, um, and but we got to be paying those writers and creators <laughs> that are doing sure. that because like, I certainly don't want, you know, the, the next round of like amazing writers and creators coming through to not have those opportunities to, you know, get their, you know, sensibility and their style out there for, for everyone. So I think hopefully that will be, you know, hopefully we'll get a solution so that we can continue to like keep opening that door more. Cause I think that's the coolest thing that we've seen with streaming is like, you're getting these amazing shows from like, you know, people of color mm-hmm. and people of like, you know, people, you know, like more women and all of that. Like, it's like, it's good. Like, let's please continue that. Um, you know, so hopefully we'll get some sort of solution and we can continue yeah. watching all of these shows. Cause I know I want to, like have that ability (laughs) well cheers to that yeah yeah cheers boom what are we drinking here well for have 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 we introduced our guest um what's to know about me um i um i live in los angeles i've been pretty much in california since i was six and beyond so i grew Mm. up here um you know, did went to school up in Northern California, Berkeley, and then I got really interested in working in the, you know, in Hollywood. So I moved back down here after school and, um, you know, just did sort of the usual route of like, I was an assistant at NBC for a little bit and then at Warner Brothers. And then I finally, I uh, also should say I am a TV and film writer. I uh, am in a partnership with my older sister. Um, so we are a writing pair. Um, and, uh, once we got staffed, oh God, it was like 15 years ago now on Bob's Burgers that sort of kicked off our professional career. And that's what I've been doing for the last 15 years professionally. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. But so is this the, are we drinking the, some of your goods that you brought home? Yeah, we are. Uh, Lizzie, I wish I could, I could just gleep you into our room right now. Um, this was a, a, a bottle that was pretty prized for me to come home with for my most recent trip to Norway. Uh, I talked a little bit about it. Um, we were referred, Jenny and I had a, a friend who was kind enough to refer us to a bar that was a, a, a vinyl record themed bar. So he knew exactly who he was talking to with that. I was very excited. <laughs> And uh, we were talking with a bartender who was rather new there. So he was like, hey, man, just help me know what you want. And he over the manager overheard me talking to my wife and was like, enjoy these drinks. But when you're done, I heard you like Akavit. Let me introduce you to a couple of things that you're not going to be able to get in the States. And we went through a, f- a couple of fun, like single barrel, different agings. And this one I completely fell in love with. It's from a distillery called Upland. And they did a single cast run with uh, a Hungarian dessert wine. They make it in these giant like wooden barrels, these giant wooden fooders in and age it in caves. And they literally let it, let the liquid slowly evaporate over years to the point where like the highest end stuff is almost the consistency of syrup. And these guys bought one of those and then filled it with their Akavit and sealed it up and let it sit. And I, I consider myself an amateur 
Akavit scholars. It's one of my favorite spirits. And this was just a wild taste because you still have all of the the spirituous side of Akavit. You still have some of that, that caraway in there. But then it has this really beautiful, like, sweet pear situation going on there from the wine. Yeah. And I'm in love with it. Really, it's very good. Really great. Thank you. For so sharing. I wish I could, I wish I could pour some for you through the screen. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I, I'll check it out, but I'm like, Oh no, I can't. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Really yeah. To get, but if I plan a trip to Norway, then I'll go. Yes, please do. And who knows? We yeah. might just, we might just show up. <laughs> We've yeah. been known to surprise you on international trips. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Should we, should we jump in? Let's do it. All right. Uh, okay, so I, if I remember right, you were born somewhere in the Midwest, right? Yes. But you, yes. But moved to Cali as a kid, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as a, we're gonna call you a, a, a Cali girl married to a Midwestern boy. Uh, <laughs> is there something that you wish you could bring from the Cali world of like food and drink to the rest of the country as prepared? Like it's not some some chef here's version of it. Like if you could take like the perfect blank and bring it everywhere else, or as you've been to Minnesota a few times, is there something from the Midwest that you would love to bring to the coast and teach everybody out there? Oof, I mean, that's tricky. Well, I mean, I think the main thing about being a California person, it's just, I mean, I feel like it's so basic to say that like the Mexican food here is absolutely the best. And like, there's, I feel like, and I don't know if this is still true because I don't go to the Midwest all that often anymore, but it's hard to find really good like Mexican food in the Midwest. Like growing up, my mom was like her favorite, like she loved like Taco Bell and we had so much Taco Bell. And I still love Taco Bell. God bless. Yeah. It's beautiful and perfect. <laughs> I'm with you on that. But it's a sep- but it's, it's not, almost a separate food category. It's not like Mexican food yeah. at all. It's like a whole other category. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like that is something that is missed in a sure. lot. I mean, I think even to like, I don't know. I I guess I haven't been to New York in a very long time either. But it feels like the best Mexican food is definitely Southern California. You just can't get it like anywhere else. Is there, is there a perfect food item in there? Is there like your go-to? Okay. If you see it at a menu, no matter what, you got to get it. I mean, I feel like for me, it's just so basic, but it's just like really like, just like tacos, like, like the yes. real like Mexican, like street tacos, like where you just get, like, it's just the tortilla and the meat and cilantro and onion and yeah. like salsa, but that's like it. And I feel like you don't get that at most like, Mexican restaurants that are like more like chains Mm. and I feel like that's like the perfect it's just the perfect food like it's really good late night food it's good like lunch food like it's just like Mm -hmm. something that I feel like you just it's like this perfect thing I probably eat that once or twice a week like we get tacos like I just feel like it's like absolutely perfect and it's hard to get that other places when um the last time that I saw you last September in LA uh, my friend Nick that picked me up from the airport, uh, when we, before we even dropped my luggage off, he had to take me to this truck in the parking lot of a car wash that had the best Alpa store I've ever had in my life. It was, yeah. it was like, it was 90 degrees outside and we're just eating in the hot sun. And I forgot to even get a drink because I was so busy smashing that Alpa <laughs> store taco into my mouth. So I'm with you on that. I mean, it really is spectacular. It is. 
And I feel like that's the, that's the thing too, is like there's so many like food trucks now and there, there's actually one that's really close to us, which you haven't been to yet, but it's supposed to have amazing Bira tacos, yeah. which is like, I feel like I'm, that's like a taking off too. Like I keep yeah. seeing that on every single menu. Um, but I feel like it's so rad that like there's so many more food trucks because then you're just like getting all of this like super authentic, like super really good specific like family recipes or whatever it is. And you're just able to get that just like out on the street in LA. Like that's the best. Like I feel like, I don't know. And I mean, maybe there's more of it. I guess I should ask you guys like, is that, do you feel like there's a good like Mexican food scene in Minnesota or is it like pretty tight, like pretty tough to get? We have some high quality Mexican food, but it's, much fewer and far between than yeah. in California. It's also harder to discern if you're not from here. Like we, if you're, if you live here, you can kind of tell like what neighborhoods are going to have some spots. And obviously there's enough social media like groups that you can check out where people will kick that because there is also a lot of really middling Chi-Chi sure. style, uh, what they call Mexican food. And everything in yeah. between. And the other thing is when you don't have so many prevalent high quality uh, Mexican restaurants, some people don't know the difference because the best they've had is the best they've had. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. California, it's easier to stumble upon. I mean, even I would say in the Midwest, if you're going to say best uh, Mexican in the Midwest, it's Chicago. Yep. Like in Chicago, <laughs> you can find some excellent Mexican food. But here it's it's spottier, but we do have some very good Mexican. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying if your neighborhood Mexican spot is a spot you've always gone to, sure, it's good, but it's not like being in Mexico City, right? Like it's it's a little different. Charles, what are you what are you bringing to the Midwest, or what are you exporting from the Midwest? I'm gonna also take the the Cali route. Um, I didn't know particularly which way I wanted to bend this, but as a great example, I would point at like a, a restaurant like Single Thread Farms in um, Sonoma. So they farm everything that they serve, and we'll be going to Noma soon. Hey, and obviously they farm everything that they eat at their restaurants it's it's we we've we've bastardized the term farm to table it means any farm to any table yeah sure of course (laughs) it was farmed that's the way that that works but i was recently having a conversation over coffee with friend of the podcast marco zapia shout out to marco and we were talking about this sort of notion that it would be great if we could find inroads agriculturally in minnesota and i know we get really hardy winters but we could find inroads to be more uh, hyper local, which is something that we need more of as a planet anyways, to mm-hmm. once again refer to what New York looks like right now and kind of the state of the world at the moment. It would be prudent environmentally, ecologically, and also just for me as a diner, me as a fine dino, I want to see more of what we're capable of in the ecosystem yeah. of, of Minnesota. Like I want to see more of that instead of constantly shipping produce and grains and legumes and things from other areas. I want to see someone try to be more holistic about that. And it's something that you find more commonly in a place like California, somewhere like single thread farms where everything is being grown on that farm that is being served in that beautiful restaurant. And I'm fascinated by that. It'd be amazing. And I mean, we're literally, we're where most of the food comes from. Like we're surrounded by nothing but farms. (laughs) I feel like there's a way that we could figure out how to make that work for a full year. Or I wouldn't even mind if we had a couple places that shut down in the winter. 
Like, hey, we'll sure. be back when the food's back. I mean, I, there's there have to be different ways of thinking about this. As the world changes, we need to, to move with it. And I think there's got to be a way around that. But taking the, you know, let's say we have fewer, we have fewer ingredients to work with, but canning, preserving, pickling, fermenting, that's the stuff you're going to consume in the winter. And that's yeah. that's more exciting in some yeah. ways. So the, there are ways to do it. It's just that someone's got to be the first, and I don't know who that's going to be, but someone's going to do it. Hey, let's go. What about you, Quam? I'm going to go the other way with it because I... I wish both of those things could happen, but I feel like I gotta I gotta step up for <laughs> for the hardy folk here, and uh, I don't understand why cheese curds don't exist everywhere. <laughs> like you guys, it's fried cheese. Like how is that something that people don't want everywhere? And it's hilarious to me. It's not like something that I eat all the time. It's not something I seek out, but it's just odd to me that whenever I travel anywhere else, they have tons of cheese everywhere. But the idea of frying up some cheese curds just does not hit with people. You also don't just have to do that. You can add it because it is a denser cheese. You can add it as texture to a hamburger. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. I enjoy doing that. But really what I'm looking for, red basket, wax paper. Yeah. You can choose your dipping sauce. I'm not a ranch person. I'm more of a, like a marinara kind of person. But it's delightful fried cheese. We can yeah. share it collectively. You don't need to hoard the whole thing on your own. You know, get that get that obnoxious oh, little sheen on your lips. It's really tough to eat alone. Yeah, that's fair. That's a shareable. Yeah, but you see it every now and then. Uh -oh. But you know, like I want I want the cheese grease around somebody's mouth like a frightening clown. Like I want to see that shimmering in the bar lights in Seattle, Washington, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I don't understand. They ship well. It's just odd. Yeah. That like that's and not you, it's not hard for people to understand like why we love it's fried cheese it's true it's like really not like it's just not i i feel like i haven't seen it like really anywhere like I, have, in I was going to California. ask you. yeah the only time i've had cheese curds was when i went to minnesota and so i went to the state fair yeah. like i uh, like literally was like doo -doo -doo, like doing every like like touristy thing that you're supposed to do there you got it but it was amazing yes and i feel like it's like absolutely why wouldn't every single bar have that what about county fairs and and those types of uh, uh social gatherings in your area what kind of foods are served if not cheese curds is it mostly like corn dogs and fries and those types of things yeah i think it's just like the traditional like yeah corn dogs like yeah fries i mean Man, no curds though kwame right well, i feel like i've never seen curds here i have like, and I three friends and one relative who when they land in minnesota that is the first thing that they need is for me to take them somewhere with which to shove curds in their mouth <laughs> <laughs> in the the most friendly way possible. <laughs> they don't even pick up their luggage. No, nope. they're just like, nope. no, bag staying back. Car, We're going. They're like, get it later. Nope. They're gonna, we'll get it shipped. And there's no takeout with this. Like you have to eat them on the spot because oh, five right. minutes in, they're already congealing and it's no fun. You got to get the the stretchy bites where you get the crunch and then the. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that's, that's the noise how you get that county fair clown lipstick yep. you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean that make a reason? like i feel like i'm so i'm very uneducated on the cheese cheese curds but like why is that such a like is it why is it so specifically minnesota like minnesota like i know if you go to like the sort of the king of the cheese curd self-proclaimed is a, a creamery <laughs> in wisconsin called ellsworth and okay. what they said or what they say now is that they wouldn't let them leave. 
they they knew that this was like the good good and so they kept it in house Right. And okay. uh, for all of our listeners out there, if you're ever able to have them, if you find them in a store and you want to know if they're quality or not, you have to open that bag and eat one cold. And if it squeaks on your teeth, got to squeak. It's got to squeak. <laughs> if it squeaks on your teeth, then this is high quality cheese curd. If it does not squeak, and it's very weird, Lizzie. Right. This this will not be something <laughs> like that you remember. Oh, you're like- if it squeaks, you must, right? you must eat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But somewhere down the road, you're going to have one and it's going to squeak on your teeth and this is going to pop into your brain. You're going to be like, oh, I got a good one. This is a good one. <laughs> so once they're cooked, they don't squeak, but it's, it's, it's eating the cold one. It, now they'll kick you out of the grocery store if you check every one. Yes. So you have to, you have to purchase the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Hey, cheers. Cheers to squeaky cheese. All right, topic numero dos. Lizzie, who is your all-time favorite TV mom or dad? Oh, gosh. Wow. Is this a loaded subject? You go, No, no. I'm just <laughs> like, you guys can edit out my long, thoughtful pause <laughs> while I go through every TV mom or dad. Was, was, like, sitcom TV, was that something you and your sister were, like, all about? Definitely. Like I watched so much TV growing up. Well, I was, cause I was saying earlier, like I, the youngest of five. So like, it was like all the rules went out the window by the time, like I came along, like it was just like, whatever you want to get your ears pierced when you're like five. Sure. Go for don't it. Care. Like bedtime 10. Yeah. What I like, who cares? Um, so I watched so much TV and I watched so much TV that was like not appropriate for me. Like I watched yeah. like all of Beverly Hills 90210 when I was in like second grade <laughs> My parents let me watch, like, X-Files with them, which was super cool. <laughs> but, like, it did scare me a lot. Like, yeah. so I bought, like, it was heavily uh, influenced by TV growing up. So it's hard to pick. Like, that I'm, I see I'm, like, already thinking, like, now 2-0. Like, I was pretty into, like, mom and dad on that. They were, like, a little – maybe they were, like, a little too close to my own mom and dad, though. Like, Would that have been the Walsh's? Coming, that you the were, Walsh's, yeah. yeah. Like, coming to L.A. from – from Minnesota? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. a little too close to home. Um, oh, God, this is tough. If you want to uh, think for a second, too, like, I can, I'll, I'll jump in. I have a very have easy answer. Ready? I, I do, know? because I was obsessed. I, I will, and he's, he's, well, he's a father and an uncle. Oh. But Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> was absolutely okay. my bellwether, because... Like, yeah. you know, my, my, my dad at that point wasn't really around a whole lot. And Uncle Phil was equal parts, super stern, super powerful, really funny and really loving. And yeah. that like the whole smorgasbord of him, I always thought like, oh, yeah, this is like one of many that I would think about through my years. But he was the one like I will still get choked up at reruns of episodes I have seen multiple times. Because he has all of that. Like, I could get big belly laughs out of him. Uh, he could be the coolest dude on earth. And he could also scare the shit out of you. And all of it works. It's all believable from James Avery. And on top of it, his voice was the voice of Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Let's not leave that out. Which <laughs> plays into both my, my love and the villain side of it. But I, I just really, I thought it was especially for the first couple seasons, the script was not super deep. They weren't tackling tough stuff right away. 
And the way that he balanced all of that with nuance, it never seemed like he was a campy version of someone's parent. He reacted to things sometimes too aggressively, sometimes dismissive, like a normal parent does. And I'm sure there are myriad other characters that were like that for other people, but that was the first time, kind of because it hit me like as I was going into my, like from 11, 12 into my teenage years, that was a show where I felt like I was kind of growing up with the kids on that show. And I was that like, that was, I think the last like sitcom that I remembered changing my work schedule to make sure when I got a job for the first time to make sure that I could be home to watch that show. And he is a huge part of it. I mean, just the way he threw jazz out the door, yeah. ah, like that's Classic. worth it. <laughs> yeah. He's a good solid pick. Like, I feel like I remember those, like you remember like the, like more special episodes, but oh, like yeah. something serious and like he delivered, man. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I'll go with a chaotic selection. My favorite television dad was Frank Costanza. Oh, really? <laughs> Frank Costanza. I celebrate. My favorite holiday was invented by Frank Costanza. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. All his screaminess and his inventions and just like the endless quotability of that man to this day. Serenity now! Oh, like, man. It's, just, it's, it's unending. He's just an absolute fucking riot. That guy was just absolutely hilarious. Uh, Jerry Stiller was a fantastic actor. Totally hilarious. And... Uh, sorely missed but that role i mean every time he popped on scene you were like here we fucking go he was my back my back way into that show i yeah. i am on record as uh, not a seinfeld uh lover uh, it is yeah. it is a show that i found to be decently okay and he was Ooh. one of two characters that i really truly loved <laughs> okay that's it that's all uh. I <laughs> All right, back Wait, to you, Lizzie. It, have to, it has to be specifically like growing up. Someone, no, I, I, no, it could be right now. Any, any mom or dad on a television, any television show. It doesn't. You I know. mean, I, I think if it's truly just my favorite mm. on any show ever, I think I would do um, Lucille Bluth. Would probably oh, be my favorite great. mom on legend, any show ever. Legend. Happened. Um, just obviously like the funniest character and Jessica Walter so funny and like just I mean that show is so great I feel like it kind of like that was one of the first like comedy shows that I watched like as an older individual being like wow I could do like this is something like a job that you could do and you could write on a show like this and this kind of show can get made um but just I mean I feel like it's still like so quotable like half of Twitter is just like Lucille Bluth like memes and it's like yeah. they still apply today um, <laughs> they, they apply more today than ever because it's an out of touch rich person absolutely <laughs> <laughs> looking at you I studio think, execs exactly like, um, probably what a, and what a beautiful what a, career fun role for like an older woman yeah I mean I feel like uh, you know, I, I guess I just lean that way also toward old women because I'm like every and also every uh, everyone on the Golden Girls, which I'm like obsessed with. And they were all mothers as well. But um, they didn't sort of play that role in that show. But like, I just love yeah. like when they let older ladies like be on TV and be funny and like not just be sort of, I guess, the quintessential moms is fun. I, yeah. Lizzie, I just have to tell you, I love that you just said that about Golden Girls because... 
quick side story. The first time that Lizzie and my wife met, uh, they talked about murder mystery podcasts and uh, whatnot for the entirety of us hanging out. And I mm-hmm. thought that was so funny. Uh, she is currently, she never Love watched it. Golden Girls as a kid. She is currently working her way through the entire Golden Girls. She's on the final season now. And it's so, it's so good. I'm it's, so jealous of her. <laughs> I, am, I am blown away at how good it still holds up. Like yeah. the way, obviously the issues have changed a little bit. And the fact that like those, the three main characters were all supposed to be in their mid fifties and like have to live in a house <laughs> because they're useless old maids. Like, I like that we've progressed a little bit since then, but yes. like the fact that they're the same age as the sex in the city women is like, shows you the progress that we made, but the way that they tackled the issues, all of that really holds up. Totally. Like, I think that that's incredible. Yeah. They like, when you have like there's certain episodes where they're like tackling like i don't know whether it's like oh god trying to remember if like there's an episode where one of their there's like an episode where like i think it's rose's daughter wants to or no it's blanche's daughter wants to have a baby on their her own yeah like but they're like pretty they end like some of the jokes in it you're like wouldn't do that one today but like by the end of it they're like pretty like the message always like sort of pulls through in the right direction. So yeah. you're like, this is cool, man. They like, they did some pretty like edgy shit. Yeah. Well, and right. so I remember I've, I've recently, I've watched a lot of these episodes with my wife, uh, that one. And, um, also I want to say Betty White's character, uh, had a kid come out as gay. And I like the fact that they, yeah. And I love, I love the fact that they allow it to exist the way it would in a friend group where we, maybe one person doesn't, agree and they talk through it and i i was really kind of blown away because i think that that actual discussion is probably more important than the fact that they get to the right point at the end is that it introduced how to talk about stuff to a lot of people um there was there's one recent sorry to go off on a tangent but like where b arthur didn't believe what her uh what her doctor was saying or her doctor didn't believe her with her symptoms and she has chronic fatigue yeah. or whatever but yes yes it's you know it's just i like the fact that they a lot they kind of helped people have those conversations yeah. so shout out to the golden no, girls shout out to golden girls <laughs> it's great cheers to the golden girls also one of the greatest theme songs <laughs> of all time period it's a classic and to all these great uh, television parents yes to uncle phil thank you for <laughs> thank you for being there for me that ben vereen episode still wrecks me every time oh all right, topic number three. Lizzie, what's a thing humans eat that it's super fucking weird that a human first thought to eat? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go like this isn't that weird to eat, but I do think it's weird. <laughs> no, go I with it. Think, I do think it's a little bit weird to just eat fish. Like, I think fish are like so gross <laughs> yeah. and like... They, they just seem so unappetizing, like, from, like, the get-go. Like, who thought, like, yes, let's eat that thing. get this thing out of the water, first of all. Yep. It's not easy. Then you got to, like, you got to get the head out. You got to, like, clean it all out. You got to take the bones out of it. And then you can finally be like, yeah, this stuff inside is, like, pretty good. Okay, I have <laughs> that, to-, to me, like, I'm just, I'm not a big, like, a hugest fish person at all. Uh, so, like, okay. to me, it's just like would be probably last resort like any plant i'm like cool cool yeah get it yeah i can see it like a lot of them are delicious not a lot of risk involved i guess unless they're poisonous 
But I don't know. For me, it's just like I can't get over it. Like when you go to a restaurant and they like serve you the fish and they still have like the face on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's for me. That's it. And it's like game over. You have to leave. <laughs> you can't. You can put some money on the table. You're just waiting waiting for it to come off the plate like Billy Bassmouth and just like, hello, my baby. (laughs) Hello, my darling. Yes. (laughs) I just, I I don't know. I can like, Matt does make a lot of, he'll cook fish and he does a good job. And I can handle like halibut and like stuff that's pretty, I guess like pretty light. But I just, I don't know. I'm like a pretty, get pretty grossed out by it very easily. I think the first I think person. I'm alone here, but the first person that ate fish probably just grabbed it out and took a bite. <laughs> just, you know? right? just went in raw. <laughs> We're thinking a really, t- a really long time back here. Yeah, they definitely pulled it out of the water and just took a bite and said, "You know what? That's kind of sharp. It tastes very good. It's not that bad." But I'm hungry. But I'm real hungry. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, a I love that. Choice. And then like all the canned, like we went somewhere recently. We went to this. Oh, we went to this amazing restaurant and they had the full like anchovies on toast and like i know it's amazing and people like it i get it like i want to like it but i just was like it was too much i again (laughs) i have to get up i have to leave the restaurant i have to run home now (laughs) i can never talk about this experience again in my life i didn't eat it I can identify with you on that one because that's like that's new in the last like 10, 12 years for me. I had a tough time with it too. And then I finally was at a restaurant with people that I really couldn't say no to. And then I ate it. I was like, oh, that's actually really good. And then I had two more. It's just it like whatever, for whatever reason, I just had to get past my own shit. Uh, For for me, uh, I mean, mushrooms are always hilarious because it's like you could see God or you could die or that one tastes like steak. But I think the one that always baffles me, and I just used this recently. Are you, t- are you picking two? No, this is my answer. I'm just saying, like, I wanted to go mushrooms. Oh, I want to press the sounder. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, we'll come up with one later. You're, you're trying to snipe me. I am. All right. uh, no, it's, <laughs> I, I literally just made a sauce and a jam out of this, but uh, it's, it's rhubarb. Uh, the fact that uh, okay. the leaf will kill you okay. <laughs> and will kill any animal. But So somebody first tried that and watched Brian die, and then they were like, Okay, but like, what about the stock, the stem? And then they like somebody <laughs> broke that off, and then took a bite out of that. It was like, well, I didn't die, but it tasted awful and acrid, and it made right. my tongue go numb because it was so acidic. And then somebody else was like, okay, but okay, so we tear off the the fatal leaf, and then we have to dunk it in something sweet, and then we eat it, and it's like kind of good for a little bit, but you can't keep it at all. And the <laughs> fact that that persists as like part of like the the jam jelly dessert world is so hilarious to me. Like it's celery that hides itself under leaves that could kill you. And we're still just like, no, that's the jam. Yeah. I can't wait for it to show up at farmer's market. Lizzie, how much uh, rhubarb is being consumed in California? Is that a common ingredient that you find in California? I don't feel like it would be. Not super common. I know I love like rhubarb pie. Like, See? I've had yeah. that a couple times in my life and it was very good. So I feel like I'm like... I'm into it, but yeah, again, like I don't, I've never cooked with it. I don't think I've had it like, like I've only had it at a restaurant like once or twice. So I think it's pretty, it's not on the up and up here currently. (laughs) I mean, it was two giant bundles of rhubarb and eight cups of sugar to get that to be where it needed to be for the jelly or the jam. So I'm just, Uh, I just think it's funny that somebody went through that much work just to make this stem it's not like it gives a ton it's not the width of a tree it's literally a celery stick 
Mm-hmm. Where if you eat it's the like leaf, desperation. Yeah. You're just like, okay, I don't. Yeah, that's right. like the last resort. Yeah, like, this is all we got left. We're gonna die. It's also not around right. for very long. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like a little seasonal. Like I don't a lot know. of figuring out. Yeah. So that's that's my thing. It baffles me every time. And when rhubarb season hits, I always think about it the first time I buy some, and then I just buy it until it goes away. And then the next year pops around, and I do it all again. Is it super like it's super popular? Like in it grows it grows pretty freely. Like it does really well in like cool but sunny climates. So it's kind of perfect yeah. for this stuff, um, especially yeah. if it has some good shade to grow in. Like it comes in pretty thick. Yeah, it's very. I'd say it's more like folksy than super popular. It's not yeah. necessarily right. super in demand, but a lot of people's family lineages make particularly like a strawberry preserve with mm-hmm. rhubarb strawberry rhubarb preserves are, are a pretty common thing like my mom made that when we were kids and my parents were immigrants like someone taught them one of the neighbors probably taught my mom how to make it and she's made it for our entire childhoods it's nice because you can get some acidity if you're making it into like a jam you can get some acidity without having to use like lemons or limes mm-hmm. so if you don't have access to that it does add that so i'll say now where we are in the cooking world, that's a great use for it. Mm-hmm. But I still just laugh at the fact that like somebody watched a dude eat a leaf and die and then was like, yeah, but what about the stem? And then <laughs> <laughs> here we are. That is on record that that's how that went. <laughs> it was two guys. The second guy was like, well, if he died for this plant, then I better figure this out. <laughs> I'm coming to see you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's just really sour. But I didn't die. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. I'm going to start making jelly. Well, my answer is very simple. The proposition here was, what food is it super fucking weird that people even thought to consume? Mm-hmm. It's milk. Milk of other animals. Why did that happen? <laughs> that is, I can't wrap my head around it. And plus, I love milk shaming people. So I, I just loved, I love that you just let the word milk hang it out every little bit. I'm like, well, we're kind of built with that sustenance. But, but now yeah, other animals. Other animals milk. Yeah. Going, going to alternate teats. Yeah, being like, uh, you know, what about that goat over there? Let's get some milk off that thing. <laughs> just, who decided to do that for the first time? That's what I want to know. I, I don't want footage. Like I don't want to. Had see to be a how dare. Experiment went. Had to be a dare. Like ah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> You're not wrong. I, I mean, still, it's like the same logic as the rhubarb. It's like I'm gonna try this. Yep. Didn't die. Let's do this. Here's here's right. the funnier except, part though. Except the rhubarb's not like, hey hey hey, what are you doing? <laughs> that's <laughs> what I love. Cows react when you milk them. Everyone. Hey. Knows them. Like, hey 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 hey. hey. Moo. Yeah, I just then they're cool with it. I like Charles. Actually, the more I think about it, I like your answer because for sure it was like one person, and then probably taught the other people in the village. Like this is what we're doing, and hey, it's, it gives us sustenance. I like the idea that at some point he had to tell somebody from the next village over that that's what they're doing. And he's like, "Wait, you put your mouth on what? Yeah, <laughs> and then you did what with it?" <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, "Listen, Pablo, I know you guys are suffering over here. I found this thing out. It's gonna make you really confused, but." actually pretty delicious and your whole village won't die so (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) yo did you hear what that dude said (laughs) you hear what they're doing the next town over man they just put their mouths on udders (laughs) i like that that's also what you guys think that one guy just put his mouth on instead of like oh yeah you have to picture it that well i'm guessing yeah I'm guessing like a a fully <laughs> furnished bucket wasn't probably at hand. No, you know, not. like he's just Chris rocking yeah. it. Like just put some, yeah. pour some in my hands. <laughs> let's be okay. Let's let's be real here. The guy did go straight for the udder. 
The guy went for the other. Because he watched another animal do it and was like, I'll try it. And because his animals were accustomed to that, we know that that's how you get it as a baby. So they're probably like, I don't know. Let's try this out. It can't kill us, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. And that's how lactose intolerance was born. There we are. Yeah. The milk lobby's coming for me. They, they are. Big, I was big, say, mil- big milk is Big milk is on their way right <laughs> now. Milk. They have a lot of power ever since they got those Got Milk ads in yep. the yeah. 90s slash early 2000s. They're untouchable now. They got so all that money. <laughs> they, they got our milk money. Big milk is coming for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cheers, yeah, cheers, cheers. to uh, consuming things that aren't that weird. Charles, I have, I have switched to the dark side. What? For my for my spirit, I did bring Ooh. another bottle. Yep, I'm right behind you here. So uh, this bottle was so offensive to uh, our good friend Tyler that he literally gave it to me and said, "Take this away from me. I don't want it anymore." This is uh, <laughs> Chicago's handshake itself, Malort, aged in uh, Revolution Brewing anti-hero IPA barrels, and uh, yeah, it's there's a lot going on. Uh, I didn't think that you could find a way to make uh, Malort more. Malorty, but this uh, this does it even lordier than before. What is that like? What what is? Tell me more about this. So Malort, no, we're we're keeping it Scandinavian. I figured if I was okay. going to bring a nice bottle, I wanted to bring something else weird. And we do we are on record as as friends of Malort, but um, Malort is uh, it's a, a company called Jepson's uh, makes it. It is a riff on a very traditional Scandinavian um, bitter liqueur. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, it, it is a very bitter thing. And for me and Charles, uh, we don't necessarily drift towards sweet things super often. And right. to me, the more bitter, the better, because it's very rare to find that. And so anything that kind of ups the difficulty when it comes to bitterness on your palate, I'm in. And then to have that, that liqueur already known legendarily for its bitterness and then to have it rest in a bitter, hoppy IPA barrel and then mm-hmm. bottled. There's, there's just a whole lot going on. Is it, so this is probably distilled from Antihero, isn't it? Maybe that's it. I don't, okay. I don't know anything about it. Unless they make an Antihero that's barrel-aged, which I don't think they do. It, I think that it's probably distilled from cool. beer itself. If I had to guess, I yeah. don't know for sure. I'll be known. But I will admit I did zero amount of oh. research on this. Okay, you're right. It does smell like shit. Told you. It is an awful bouquet, Lizzie. <laughs> It smells I like terrible. How, we, we're on record. We like how Malort smells. Yeah. We like how it tastes. This is different. Like the <laughs> confluence of like, it's like dead hops plus Malort, which is not a good smell. Perhaps not the best combination of flavors. See, this is the kind of thing that if someone was smelling rhubarb, it, it, you know, eons ago <laughs> and was like, take a bite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's going to kill you, Brian. Yeah, but the finish is very Malorty. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. It's just a little bit of Molort. It's not bad. All right, Quam, what's up, man? <laughs> Topic number four. Number four. <laughs> All right, uh, you and you, Lizzie and Charles, are, uh, are are elite status gift givers. And I wanted to know uh, <laughs> what your favorite gift you have ever purchased for anybody is. And is there a theory behind how you give presents? <laughs> well... I definitely give the best gifts to my husband, Matt. That's I feel like he's a very difficult person to get gifts for because he doesn't really like he's just a hard person to like to shop for. He doesn't really like want a bunch of like just I don't know, like typical sort of like 
not like materialistic, but just like stuff. he doesn't want like a new watch. Like he would like he just will be like cool, but it wouldn't won't make him super excited. And he is pretty clear about things that he does want, and they're often very strange. Um, so I feel like what I feel like I did get him a bust of himself, but he did want that as a <laughs> yeah. gift, and I did have one made for him for his fortieth birthday. That's the thing. I think we do have to put out wow. the fact that he did want this. He That's did a, want that. It's an elite gift, I, no matter what. But it also needs to be on record that he one hundred percent wanted that. It's gorgeous. Like they did an amazing job, and thank God because I just found these like sculptors on Etsy, and like oh you wow. Know, they had, they did, their site looked great and they had done other sort of bust type <laughs> products on it. But, I, you know, you, I like sent them a picture of him. Like it was just like very, I was like, this is going to either be like super great or it's going to be like hilarious, wild looking. And, but like also <laughs> yeah. probably worth the price. Yeah. yeah. It's like just like really bad. <laughs> um, but it turned out amazing. But I don't, I don't think that's my best gift. I, I think my best gift that I got for him actually was um there's a tiki bar that we love to go to in LA called the Tiki Tea and it's awesome it's tiny and for a long time you were like allowed to smoke in it it was like privately owned it was like oh, open okay. at weird times because mm. of that so and it's just this very small bar it's covered in like tiki shit you know like the puffer fish lights and christmas lights all that stuff it's but it's amazing and they do this thing every year Anyway, I'm just blabbering on about it, but they do um, hot buttered rum every like Christmas Ooh. season and they like make it from home. It's like the, they like get out like a Tupperware when you order it and like scoop some out yes. and put it in a cup. Like somebody like made it at their house that morning. Um, but we would go all the time and uh, get very drunk and it was very fun. And there was an artist I found online who would do small scale uh, replicas of buildings in L.A., and I asked if he could make one for Matt, and he did. And it's like it's it's crazy. Like it's just so cool. That's awesome. He's amazingly talented. Like he's done a lot of like cool, weird spots in LA. Um, and so he did this replica of it, and it's like he does like crazy. Like he'll put like 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 weird sort of like damage that the building actually has, or like what yeah. the dumpster wow. really looks like on the side of the building. So. We have that. It's at our house in like in a glass, like not glass, I guess it's plastic case. But I think that's the coolest gift because that's Matt rad. did not ask for it. He had no idea it was coming. Um, so and you got to get creative, but that's very creative. It was very creative. And, awesome. and it was like, I don't know. It's just, I don't I like being able to also like buy something from someone that's so like specifically talented in that way and like support them and be like, this is so rad. Fuck yeah, absolutely. So that was probably my favorite thing that I've ever gotten for someone. Yeah. Very, that's rad. Very creative. It's almost like you are a creative. <laughs> Whoa. Almost. It is Crazy. cool. Now I see uh, he has a, he has an amazing Instagram. I should probably give him a shout out, but like, yeah. I think it's called Small Scale LA, but um, oh, shit. just so, like check it out. He yeah. does really cool, real like amazing work. It's just so cool. Like I just, I wish it's also like I'm just like always so jealous of people that have that artistic ability because I have not zero. <laughs> so I'm just amazed that he can do it. That's awesome. That's very cool. Very Charles, what about you? Yeah, I I fancy myself to be a prolific gift giver. I think that. 
the sort of the impetus for that or uh, like at least the method the method behind the madness is i'm like hyper observant probably too observant i work at that shit in therapy like i'm just, i'm too <laughs> observant like i gotta calm down so i'm always like paying attention to even the most mundane of details and so i'm good at collecting data on the people that i love because i gather information about the things that they would like i think it, it you know i'll be a little mushy the probably the best gift I ever gave somebody was three parts and it wasn't really intentional. And that's why I think that if you believe in fate, which I do not, then perhaps like it, it feels like it when you think of the sort of entire uh, constitution of what ended up happening. But with Marnie, my now wife, um, when she and I started dating and had been together for a little while, one of the first gifts I gave her was a, sterling silver ring that my friend des made that had an anchor on it so it was like representative of the ocean and a couple years after that i designed a ring with des that was this forest pixie ring it was a green emerald with gold um, vines with little barbs on it and then when i decided i wanted to marry this woman i bought her a ring from the 1940s that had a cotton candy montana sapphire in it that looked like the sky so i was like i kind of put a narrative in my mind after doing that i was like i didn't really do this on purpose but i got her the representation of the ocean the earth and the sky and so when i presented her with the engagement ring i kind of told her that and i was like wow that's cool i, did, I didn't even really do it on purpose it just kind of hey i'm fucking awesome yeah it kind of like worked <laughs> out that way but i was like oh dope and now you know when she looks at that ring and it looks different in different lights or actual her engagement ring, uh, when she looks at it in different lights and different times of year when the sky can be like pink or purple or orange, similarly that ring, depending on what light you're in, has that sort of mm -hmm. candy effect. And it's really cool because we can always kind of look back on the narrative of, you know, that, that story of me giving her these three rings like she's playing a fucking Zelda game. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, I, it feels like you like planned it from like the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It really does. I mean, I, one thing and you're like, yes, yes, that was right. Yeah. Part of me would like to say that I'm that clever, but also that'd be kind of creepy because I gave her the, <laughs> I gave her the, the sterling silver ring when we were, I don't know, we were probably together for six months at that point, but I also didn't know I was going to find this ring from 1941, yeah. like six years later. So I'm innocent. <laughs> 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 oh that's that's all, all of those are awesome though. uh lizzie i i do just have to say that there was uh um you know like the little uh bluebird from snow white that comes in and like sings to her i did have one of those uh, come up to me and say that there's rumor that there may be a statue for the front yard coming next so <laughs> turns out maybe <laughs> He's like, if there's any way you could get that done, I, I'm just saying I'd really appreciate yeah, it. He's a full statue of himself, and I'm like, this is so bizarre. I'm not sure how we get. I know he'll wear me down over time. Of course he like will. How much time? It's like five years. Is it 15? Hard to say. Well, but either I'm way. Like, it's so weird. You want like a statue of yourself out oh, the yard that the kids can go like throw stuff at. Like, oh, it's just like. I Some might say he might chisel you down. Ooh. <laughs> hey, ooh. I don't I still don't remember. I I the um when uh for my 40th when we went to France, I think I I I'd have to look back at my my photos again, but I think the first photo I took 
walking into the castle was a bust of a old dude that had a giant beard mm. and I took a picture of it and I just tagged your husband on Facebook. And I was yeah. like, Hey, look what I ran into in France. <laughs> uh, we like, we get, he does everywhere we go. There's like some boss that does look like him. I guess amazing. he does have a really big beard and like that. Yeah. That was sort of a, Hey, you a look theme. like an old ass rich guy. <laughs> yeah. <you> look- <laughs> Are you a wealthy man from history? Money and privilege. Yes, exactly. In history. Uh, the, the descendant of money and privilege. There it is. Uh, for, for me, <laughs> like, I, I also, I have a super headstrong, independent wife who everything that she wants, she just, like, takes care of. So it does, it, it pushes more creativity on my side. I've given a lot of gag gifts. I think that's where I'm really awesome is yeah. I'll find a way to give, like, the funny present to somebody that isn't expecting it. And I love those. But the more I thought about this question, I actually, I'm also going to say a wedding ring simply because there's humor involved in it. And it was, um, we, uh, I I had my wife's engagement ring designed. So it's an original design and I really, really loved it. And she had told me a little bit of what she wanted so we could make something that I, I, I knew she would dig. And then they gave a matching wedding band. And of course, when we were at the jewelry store, they're like, and just in case you want one for the next anniversary, we could put another band on the other side. And she laughed and she was like, how much is it? And he told us and she turned around and she was like, okay, if you save, I think it was 51 cents every day for the next five years, you could totally just already have it paid for Then you can give it to me for my five year anniversary. And we laughed about it. And then we went out and got coffee and whatever. Uh, Around our five year anniversary, I went back to the jeweler and was like, is it still possible to get that band? And he was like, yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. And so I hit her with it right around there just to be like, I saved 51 cents every single day. And I got you. She's like, really? I'm like, no, absolutely not. I just remembered (laughs) it. (laughs) But it was like, it was just a thing that I filed away in my head. And then when we got near it, it like, I was still thinking about it. It wasn't like I saved, I I didn't put an alarm in my phone. You still had the punchline. Yeah. But, like running or like looking under the couch like every night you're like ah, i just need one penny yeah I'm one penny <laughs> short uh yeah I but you know what to say that i definitely sniped you yep <laughs> okay so i play, well, play the curb sounders then i'm gonna go with a secondary answer with my daily double oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I will say the other one that I'm really proud of is I have a friend who unfortunately has an extremely right wing. You got to take another shot. Brother. Will do. This is our new rule. If if Kwame answers a question twice, which he is want to do, he does have to take another shot. And yeah. Very, oh, very, so so would I, but Kwame is more prone to do that. Very, very right wing. put into place yep. specifically for him. Yeah. And my friend. It might fall fall victim to it yes. but we know why it exists yeah. and my, my friend uh my friend had a beautiful baby boy and uh i wanted to get him a onesie and i knew that his brother was going to be in the hospital and so i got him a onesie that said i love my gay uncle and his brother <laughs> did not look at the picture and he's the only brother and so the very first picture of the baby is him holding a onesie that says i love my gay uncle and <laughs> i still relish that if it, it was deleted off facebook in the next day but i have the picture still and it makes me very happy <laughs> to know that I got him with that and he can never get me back. So. <laughs> oh, is it me again? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. Oh, no, that's you. I am me. And you are you. Who are we? Oh, this is a fun one. All right. Yeah. So Lizzie Bob's Burgers has a wild assortment of burgers. Are you familiar with the show? I'm sorry. 
I've seen it. Okay. You've I seen have it. seen oh. it. Yeah. It's fun. Have... You should check it out. That's yeah, good. I'm going to, right after this. <laughs> I probably should have checked before I asked this question. But anyways, what are the contents of your perfect burger? Ooh, okay. This is relevant because we've been making burgers at home lately. But I'm, I guess I'm a pretty boring, or maybe not so boring, burger connoisseur. Like I just, I'm really like a, I'm a strong in and out fan. Okay. Being from California. Sure. It's my favorite burger. It's the best. So I feel like my burger is always just like a replica of that if I yeah. make one at home. Mm. But I did finally, this last time we made burgers, I actually made like the special sauce, which I'd never done before. And I was like, why don't I do this? This is so <laughs> easy. And it like really does make it taste better. So I feel like you have to have like the special sauce, whatever it is, it's like Thousand Island lettuce or lettuce, the, you know, mayo, ketchup, vinegar, relish mixture. You mm-hmm. have to have that. Okay. Um, I have to have raw onion. Ooh, okay. Sure. Definitely pickles and then like just lettuce, tomato and cheese. I mean, I'm pretty like simple. I don't go too crazy, but I just want that like classic, like American like cool kind of kind of california style the special california sauce style. what kind of bun yeah. do you like do you like Ooh, sesame yeah. seed bun do you like brioche potato bun do you not really just like a potato like i like it yeah. just kind of like i Good feel like bun. it's like the least important thing like i'm just like just be simple don't okay. get in the way yeah. like i don't like burgers that are like on big crazy bread like that never works mm. out pretzel buns eh, i kind of take or leave it i like if you i guess if you have like a pub burger they're pretty good if you get like that pub cheese and stuff but mm. if i'm just having like a you know a traditional cheeseburger that's what i go for do you go like thin patty do you go a little little thicker i like thin okay I like i mean like i do like a smash burger i feel like they're like a little played out like everything's like smash burger i so at least in la it's yeah. like everywhere. Yeah. no that's everywhere, everywhere in the world yeah. okay <laughs> everywhere like it's fine like i but i do yeah i do like a thinner like a every once in a while I go for like a big, like kind of juicier, like steakhouse yeah. burger. Fatty but patty. I feel like ninety percent of the time, it's like I just want like the kind of thin, classic, where you can put two on and like you yeah. wouldn't even notice. Right, for sure. Yeah. I uh, every time you say fatty patty, I always just feel like there's some like <laughs> middle school girl getting teased. I don't know why that yeah, is. Yeah, in the 90s. Maybe. I think, yeah, 100%. Uh, no that's also when I grew up. <laughs> no one's named Patty anymore. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I am, I am, if, if I had to make like, this is your last burger on earth, I would go uh, a fatty patty. I would do like a third pound. Really? I do like to, um, to actually buy the meat and I'll pulse it in a food processor until I get it to the consistency I like. I like kind of bigger hunks. And then I do that guy medium rare seared so you get a little crunch on the outside i do love bacon i'll go a sharp cheddar and then where i go where i differ with you is sometimes i don't love like sort of that sharpness in the crunch of onions of raw onions Mm -hmm. sometimes i love it i don't know it just goes back and forth for me and i can't explain why but i figured out years ago um how to make uh, like an onion jam with whiskey and mm. that's like you basically you cook down a little bit of bacon and a ton of onions in whiskey and brown sugar until it basically turns into a jam. Pulse it a few times and then add a little bit of butter and it creates the most flavorful schmear for the inside of a bun. 
And then I'm going to go straight up brioche bun and just rock it like that. I love that. I don't mind. I'll do lettuce and tomato on burgers. I, there's really not a whole lot I won't eat on a burger. Mm-hmm. But if that's what I have to make, I've, I've got the jam down to about like a 40-minute prep. And then it keeps forever. Okay. So I'll do a big that's batch of it and just leave it in the fridge. And then you just got to heat it up a little bit to smear it. But that is that is my favorite burger. It's a little bit sweet. It's salty. It's got some like tang to it. And it's just good. Like I'll smash that. No sides. I'll smash that with fries. Yeah. Fruit. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Outside so, at the cabin. Yeah. It sounds fucking fantastic. Uh, you know that my favorite burger on planet Earth is the Al burger. So that is the perfect burger. Uh, seeking perfection in a burger. The more things you add, the more complex it becomes. Like I have, you sh- I'll show you the notepad later. I have a thousand notes for like constructing my own perfect burger making the bun, I make like this cheese sauce and a Dijonese, basically like mimicking a lot of the properties of what is done at Acheval while not doing the same thing. I think if I want the burger to be perfect, I do bacon and egg. Like I want like a thick cut bacon like Acheval. Mm-hmm. I want a medium egg, which is one of their tricks. I love using Dijonese, so like an, an aioli that has some good French Dijon in it and uses good oil, like an avocado oil. I like the bun toasted, not just both buns, but both sides of both buns. Mm. Use some like marrow butter, because I make a compound marrow, uh, marrow butter. And then I do a relish, which is 50% pickled shallots and 50% MSG super sour pickles. Yeah, those and are so good. pickle on, pickle side. And uh, I do a four beef blend for my, my um, beef that I make the burgers out of. So all of those things together, that's like my version of a perfect burger. I think it's like 97 percentile. Al-Shaval is 100%. But on a day-to-day basis, if you just want like what is the highest batting average of just getting a fucking fantastic burger, it's just a really good bun, brioche or potato, two smash patties, American cheese, pickles, some sort of mayo-based sauce, maybe a little spicy if you want to, pickle on the side. That's all you need. Thank you for pointing out. Also, I have to amend. I did leave off the pickles. So the pickles mm. go completely cover the bottom bun, so you can't see any bun. And then we do the rest, and then the <laughs> onion jam goes on the top bun, and then that smushes in. Because oh, okay. you're missing that without the sharpness of the, mm. the pickles. That That is also a new thing in my life in my 30s. I started doing Pickle? pickles on burgers, and now I literally don't. If there's not pickles, I question whether or not I want the burger. I know people who don't like pickles on burgers, and I don't understand. Yeah. It, just, it doesn't compute for me because it's such no, a rich it, thing. you got to have them. Yeah. Like, even if it's like I'm getting like a McDonald's cheeseburger. Yeah. It's like you got to get – well, they don't put enough pickles on it, first of all. Never. Mm-hmm. They only put two, but you need like six to seven. <laughs> but do you, if you could do you that – you get extra pickles like, at a McDonald's? Do they allow you to take extra pickles? They, they will not. No, they're, they're very strict. The one, the Minnesota McDonald's. I I get my one McRib every year. Well, technically it's two because I get two. Uh, but you can one hundred percent ask for extra pickles on that, and they will just oh, fuck slather it. Wow, and that's the then key. I can do that. See, I always just take like Matt and Maddie. They don't like pickles, so I just like, like, like put them onto my plate, and then I just I just add them in. I should also say I'm not booing Maddie. Maddie's rad. <laughs> I'm just booing Matt in general. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah like, but he doesn't like pickles on burgers. He does like pickles. Well, I guess maybe you do like a spicy one. Oh, I got a friend who's like that too. 
He might even do like spice, super spicy ones, like a homemade mm, burger. But when sure. we, if he gets one at a place, he doesn't want the pickles. Which I think maybe it's because there's like too much, like variety. Like you could be, you know, you never know what you're gonna get. Sure. Oh yeah, the pickle could be anything. And like if someone cookie. puts a bread and butter yeah. pickle, get on the my fuck burger, out of here. Nope. I'll just punch the burger. I I stand just like the burger, just punch most. The burger. Most store-bought pickles are dyed that sort of like light green color. I will stand till the day I die that bread and butter pickles should be dyed pink or red so that we have a difference <laughs> yeah, in color so, so that you know ahead of time. Like those Kool-Aid like pickles, right? Like I don't, I, like I shouldn't have to eat one before I figure out what it tastes like. Mm, no. Let's not do that. <laughs> you no, got to talk you. to Big Pickle. Yeah. All right, Big Pickle. We're coming for you right. next. Whoa. After we deal with Bill's milk. after you, but you're going after <laughs> yeah. Big so I smell a sitcom. Well, big, <laughs> big pickle and big milk are gonna become like transformers, and they're gonna pickle milk us. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know so, what I'm, I don't either, but that's so great and so dumb at the same time. That's where I love to live. Give me, milk. give me that sweet spot. <laughs> Ooh, don't get, no, the sweet spot is the bread and butter pickles. Do not give us the sweet spot. Give me the dill spot. <laughs> Am I allowed All to right, say that? Cheers! Hey, we're we're crushing it. Oh yeah, we're killing it. Oh, actually, like uh, Lizzie, can we take a moment? Cheers, firstly. Cheers. Can we take a moment for you to tell us a little bit about the shows you're associated with? Because we didn't really get deep into that in our. Okay, in our that's show. why I was asking if we did like a whole intro because I wasn't we here did, for it. We did a 20 minute okay. intro, but I wasn't like display your resume on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take you through my professional yeah. like life. Please, do. it all started. Um. Well, no, I mean, I've been, so I started out on Bob's Burgers, uh, season one, uh, ugh, 15 years ago now, um, staff writer with my sister. So, uh, shout out to Wendy, shout out to Wendy Molyneux and, um, yeah, we were on, I mean, we are still currently on Bob's, um, we don't do as many episodes as we normally would do per season because we also created our own show called The Great North, which just finished airing its third season. Um, Heck yeah. So you can watch all of Bob's and all of The Great North. They air on Fox on Sunday night with animation domination, but you can also see every episode streaming on Hulu. So that's where to check them out. Um and yeah, so I've been in adult animation TV writing since I was 25, and it's um, it's been great. I mean, it's Bob's is obviously super special. Um, our staff really like didn't have much turnover over the last 15 years. Like everyone's still there, even though a lot of people have done sort of side projects and mm -hmm. other things along the way. Um, we've kind of kept the team together for a really long time, which has been great and it's kind of not the norm in tv writing a lot of times people sort of bop in and out of uh staffs um pretty often so that's mm. been a really big part of my life and uh super grateful to have done it and still be doing it and then um the great north has been amazing um we started it started developing it probably whew, probably like god is it probably more than four years ago now um, through Lauren, Lauren Bouchard, who yeah. created Bob's and he's an EP on Great North as well. And so we, you know, 
kind of just grew out of wanting to do another family show and work with actors that we love. And so we have Nick Offerman on the show. Um, he plays a single dad in Alaska and his family um, is he's got a bunch of kids um and we knew we wanted to work with jenny slate as well because we'd work with her Mm, she's so great amazing so funny so kind of the whole idea kind of started with them as sort of like a father daughter and how can we build around that and so we built out this family we've got paul rust on the show we've got aparna nancherla um we've got dulce sloan and we've got will forte that's sort of like our main little family and um yeah, it's been so it's been super fun, and uh, obviously we're a little bit on pause right now for the strike from the show. So we haven't we've finished airing season three, season four is in progress, but we're obviously on this little hiatus from it. Yeah. But we're excited to get back to it, and um, yeah, so that's that, those are the shows that are near and dear to my heart and I, have been a part of my life for so long. I don't want to. I'm not going to bore you with my praise for Bob's Burgers. You've heard it from me before. Uh, I do want to add to the elite gift giving. Uh, I got to give you thank you one more time. Uh, my wife and I lost our eldest cat a few years back. And uh, Lizzie was kind enough to send like a whole pack of the boy band that Tina falls in love with in the show. <laughs> and it was it was like it was the first real like guttural laugh that she had after that when we when it arrived. It was so it was so amazing. So thank you ah. for that. That show is woven into like if you asked my wife like explain your personality she would use at least linda and tina in like in a in a job interview with strangers she would probably bring that up so it's like near and dear to our hearts but my favorite compliment that i could give you for great north was i was explaining this podcast today earlier uh to some friends after a meeting and one of my friends was like oh, i haven't heard of that like explain it to me and i just gave a rough outline that ended with um, and Alanis Morissette is uh, like Jenny Slate's sort of like guardian angel. And he yeah. just stopped and stared at me and goes, this show sounds like it was written for me. How have I not heard about yeah. it? And I was like, just <laughs> go check it out, buddy. Um, That's amazing. Yes, I forgot to mention Alanis, um, which was, I mean, <laughs> just so wild that we got her. So we yeah. had this idea that uh, Judy, Jenny Slate's character, you know, the Nick Offerman plays her father, Beef, and he's, like, a single dad, and his wife, like, was a crazy alcoholic and had all these affairs, but in a funny way, and kind of abandoned the family, so we have this idea that she has this sort of magical mother figure, and sort of, she's very artistic and wants to get sort of out of her small town, and who better to sort of embody that than Alanis Morissette, who's also, you know, she's from... Canada, but it's still, she's, you know, sort of up in the northern area and sort of came from this small town and became this, you know, she's fucking only as more as that. So we wrote her into the pilot and like had no idea. (laughs) Like we were just like, yeah, we just like wrote her in (laughs) and will she do like, will she do the show? And um, yeah, she like came onto the show. Like I'll never forget we had a table read at Fox, like. Right before I think we were, you know, we'd been picked up. We were like going to start production soon. And they just, they often do like these sort of like bigger table reads with like the executives there to like get them excited about the, the show and all of that. And she was there. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, how do you I even exist? <laughs> and I walked in and like Alanis was there. And I was like, <laughs> like, I was like, I'm not nervous. I wasn't nervous about the day. And then I saw her. 
And it was so hard not to be like, hi, like I've been obsessed with you since I was in sixth grade. And you like, mean everything you, to me. Like, will you like sing to me and hold me? Um, but she's the <laughs> nicest person in the whole entire world. And she's so lovely. And she's so funny is the thing about her. She's very funny. She totally gets all the, she gets the timing. She like delivers when we record with her, like oh, so rad. easily. It's like three takes. Um, and she's just a delight. So anyway, yes. Well, she's and then awesome. can we... Can we throw out, we got Bob's Burgers movie, which was incredible for me to get to go see in the theater. And then you also, you wrote like non-animation, you wrote a movie with your sister. Yes. Yes. We wrote, um, well, we wrote a movie for, for Amazon last year um, called The People We Hate at the Wedding. Um, and that was an amazing experience. So we we wrote that and it, it was like, just such a lovely thing. We adopted um, the the book by Grant Ginder, yeah. and it was um, it was just like a great experience. Everybody we worked with, um, studio wise, was amazing, and they shot the movie in London. And unfortunately, we didn't get to go to to the shoot because I had just given birth. Not unfortunately, that I had just given birth, <laughs> but the timing. Yeah, well, I would have loved to go to London and be part of it. Um, but yeah, we shot did they shot that and it came out. Um, this year so yeah and it's still on amazon you can stream it i have such a crush on alice and janney it's ridiculous like oh i just love the movie's great fantastic oh thank you yeah amazing cast is alice and janney um uh why can't i think of everybody's name in the movie Kristen uh, bell's Kristen in there yeah yeah it's karen sony um i'm forgetting a million people i have to look at the imdb page so i don't forget everybody <laughs> but it's a fantastic cast and it was it was just uh it was a great experience. So yeah, we'd never had anything, any movies made before. So that was, it was a, a thrill. And then I, we can absolutely cut this out, but I believe that there is another movie project coming. Are we allowed to talk about that? Are we maybe going to? Well, <laughs> we're not technically still on that movie. Okay. Okay. So, so we're just going to leave that as it is. Yeah. Perfect. Sadly. TBD. Not, but all the best. Yep. Let's do the project. Love it. Yes. Bloop. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I feel like, Awesome. Do we ask what is Lizzie drinking? Lizzie, what are you drinking? Yeah, I saw what a can. Yes, I'm drinking. Well, Matt is part of this really cool beer club yeah. where you like, pick out your beers and they get shipped to you every like I think it's only only as often as you want. So you pick them out and you like fill up a cart and they they I've got to ask him. I'm gonna text him right now. What it's <laughs> called? I don't remember. Sure. Um, so you oh, it's called Tavor. That's what it's called. Oh, sure. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're familiar. Yep. Yes, it's, uh... Yeah. So, you know, they just describe all the beers and you can, if it sounds interesting to you, you can get as many as you like or as few or none you've of you probably, know. You've probably um, had so beers that I've designed the packaging bear. for. Yeah. Ooh. Holding it up bear. to the screen. Oh, it's like a whole ass bear. I could only see the nose before. <laughs> well, yeah. The whole can is and a bear. And it's by True Respite. Cool. I don't know. Sure. That's an awesome it's can. I've, we've had it before. It's delicious. So I'm drinking this. It's really fun. He gets like these boxes every, you know, couple weeks and we just like take them all out and they all yeah. have beautiful labels and we don't know exactly what they're like. And we'll usually like open two and we'll each try them and be like, which one do you like better? Which one do you like? And then we'll like. That's awesome. What a fun way to do Because with all the breweries out there, like what a fun way to kind of pick your way through and find things that you like. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really fun. And I feel like I was never like a huge 
beer drinker, but I think that's just because, like, in college, I just drank, like, crappy beer that was available at parties, and it was like, well, it's not that great, but this has been so fun to, like, try a lot of different types of beer. They have, like, sours, and, you know, they have all types of beer, obviously, but, um, you know, it's sort of, like, let me sort of, like, dip my toe into, like, different styles that I wasn't really familiar with before, so it's super fun. Yeah, I, I apologize for stepping on your play call there. I was just remarking that I've I've had uh, multiple breweries I've worked with that uh, are on Tavour, so it's possible you've had beers that I've designed packaging for. Oh, cool. Hmm? Yeah. I would love to know, yeah, what they are. They, I feel like the cans are always really cool. Like, I don't know. This one's really just cute and interesting. But, yeah, a lot of them, they're yeah. just, like, beautiful. It's just, it's so... We'll have this out. We have an outside fridge where we keep everything, so it's just nice. You open it up, and it's just like filled with all these beautiful beer designs. Right. And it's it probably comes as no surprise to someone that's like a part of a giant creative system that oftentimes beers with good packaging also have good products inside of them because it's clearly a brewery that cares about what they're doing. Yeah. So that's that's part of the reason probably why a lot of those beers are beautiful on the outside is because they're beautiful on the inside too. Yeah. And a lot of them have different, like they have interesting style. Like there, we had one mm. recently that was like almost like I think it had like jasmine and like green tea in it. It was really delicious. Mm. It was like really light pilsner, but it had oh, it almost cool. had like that tea type flavor to it. So it's like really good. You know, it was good with like you know I don't know if you're having something a little like spicy or something. It sure. really complements it well. So yeah, it's it's fun. I love, like, in the same way, just to give flowers to both of you, I love when I walk in and I look at, like, beer labels when I know that he's worked with a company. I love trying to figure out, like, when I can notice when he took over because you can see the design change. And I do the same thing with with you. And it's a game I only play in my own head. But I love trying to figure out, like, I feel like that was a you joke. Like, you know, <laughs> where you try to find like like someone that you know's sense of humor in there and I'm like, yeah, that had to be. Like yeah. <laughs> it's just a fun game to play. Yeah. And I feel like most of the time I'm I'm pretty right, but it is awesome. Like it's cool when you get to see your friend's artwork like out in public or you see somebody drinking a beer and you're like, Yep. Like or you show up to a barbecue and somebody's like, Have you tried this? This is awesome. I'm like, Yeah. It's just it's like yeah. cool. Celebrate your homies, you know? That is very cool. Yeah, I'd love to know okay, email you side on the side or whatever yeah, but i'd yeah. love to know which one do you design for sure. i'm sure we've look the pandemic was long and we drank a drank lot, a lot of, of these beers so <laughs> yeah. i feel like there's there's no way we didn't drink something that you Heck had yeah a, it's a very possible <laughs> uh all right well we're we're at the final question uh kind of to wrap it up and going back to what we were talking about at the beginning um lizzie with the writer strike going on uh it's not it's it's just impossible to talk not to talk about the fact that like we are all people who consider ourselves writers. Um, I guess, like, speaking to people, especially folks that are outside of the U.S. right now, um, is there anything else that you want people to know about, like, how to support writers in general, how to support the strike that's going on, uh, j- the job of writing? I mean, I think the important thing about supporting writers, I think it's just, like, being... I think it's just engaging and watching things that I, I mean, I feel like you wouldn't normally always check out. I mean, I feel like I sort of was touching on this before, but I just, I think there's so much amazing (laughs) work going on right now. And I think that's what's so 
tricky about this strike is I think, um, you know, I think maybe from an outside perspective, it feels like, and it is true that there's more TV than there's ever been, right? Like there's just so much. So it feels like probably I would imagine somewhat from the outside that there's so many opportunities for writers right now. And that it's like, it's a great time to try to get into writing because there's, you know, there's a million places you can land. There's a million places you can sell a show. There's, um, you know, just a, there, it feels like there's never been so much work. Um, but I think we're also in a tricky spot where I think the value of the writing feels like, I think people that consume it value it, but I think the, yes. the companies that pay for it don't always value it as highly as they can because because of that same reason, right? There's still there's always somebody else that they, that can come in and give them a show. Yeah. There's somebody else they can put on a staff. There's you know they've got ten other shows in development or shooting or whatever. There's reality stuff they can put in its place. So I think. I mean, I don't know what exactly what I would be advocating for, but I guess just to support, I think, shows, I think, that need more viewers, check things out. I think that wouldn't always necessarily be, like, your go-to for, mm-hmm. you know, what you want to consume. But there's – I think if you spend time looking for smaller shows and, think like, actors and creators that you aren't familiar with, you might surprise yourself by how much you like it. And I think that's – the most important thing that I think needs to sort of continue through this strike is allowing people to be creative and be valued for that um, so that we don't sort of come away from this time like, oh, we had so much amazing things happening. And then because, look, I understand it's a business, like everybody, ha- you have to make money off of the shows. <laughs> like it, there's no other way to do it. It's expensive. Um, but I think, I hope that there's, out of it comes a little bit of respect again for the creative process that even though there is so much, like it is, it's special when something can really reach out and touch so many people and, and be so important and become such a part of our lives. I mean, everybody watches TV, everybody watches movies. So it's like those, when you land on something that you find so special or if you feel like you're a part of it, like you were even saying about Bob's, like that's when somebody finds something that they feel like speaks to them. Um, it's really special and great in the same way that you do that with music or with books or, you know, with art or anything. So I just hope that, you know, the respect for the process can continue on and that we, you know, I just that people can get a fair chance to continue doing this as a career. I didn't really say anything that's an actual piece of like what you should do, but I think just like, you know, looking for those, talking about shows that you like recommending them to people the, the things that aren't quite popular yet and giving those voices a chance to sort of live on and to build an audience I think is so important so, I mean that's you know. literally word for word what we're asking of the people that listen to this show is like <laughs> hey just maybe share it with somebody tell a friend hey this is something fun to listen to I think that's something that anyone who creates anything hopes for yeah is that the people that that love it then turn to the people that they love and, and try and share it forward I mean, yeah, you know, Charles, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I know that sort of the uh, the original intention behind this was like, what do people maybe not know about writing that they that they should perhaps understand? And the direction I was going to take that is when I used to write long form features and interview people, that was what made me want to do this production is I'd have 
sometimes five hour long recordings and I'd have to write a two page piece on somebody and I would go, wow, there's so much on the cutting room floor that I wish people could mm -hmm. understand about this person or these people. And that ended up being, oh, we should podcast. But beyond that, I mean, I want to speak to the strike because my wife, uh, her school district last year went on strike yes. and I could see firsthand how important it was just to, um, for, for all those teachers and administrators to have people uh, vocally advocate for them. So I know that a lot of people, many, many, many people are aware of the writer's strike happening, but I'm not saying that you need to go out and stump and, and make signs, but like if you tweet about it, I feel like someone's going to see that and care and it shows that people are aware that it's a creative process. It's not just the people that you see on screen. There's an entire ecosystem that is dedicated to the product, that final product that you see on the screen. And if you could take a moment of your day to advocate for writers and say, hey, I've done my due diligence, and yeah, maybe study up on it as well. Do your due diligence, study up on it a little bit, fire out a tweet and just say, hey, I think that, Things could be better. I think that the the demands are reasonable. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people, perhaps you are among them, Lizzie, would find that to be endearing that someone that like people actually see what's happening and care about what's yeah. happening and are looking for some e equality in that space and in the the creative space that is film uh, and and are being vocal about not necessarily demanding but wanting to see things be more equitable in that regard. Yeah. And I think like if, you know, it's like, yep, I think, yeah, just to build on that too. It's like, yeah, if you're going to tweet, you know, feel free to mention to, you know, what network or studio, like mm -hmm. you miss your favorite show. You want yeah. it back. Like everybody wants, that's the thing is writers want to be writing. Like we don't want to be out there, you know, <laughs> walking around all day. <laughs> we yeah. want to be writing, but we have to make sure that, you know, people are getting what's fair and we're that that we're helping to maintain this framework that got built by all the writers before us you know yes. they, there were strikes before this for healthcare, for you know control over content um internet content and things like that so that there's been you know a lot of people that came before us that helped build up this system that we have in place and this ability for you know someone to start as a staff writer and to go you know learn how to do it all and someday become a showrunner or create their own show like that it's not possible if you don't let people have you know that security of a job for more than a couple of weeks it's just not yeah. sustainable so um you know it's just i think yeah give it give a mention you know it's good to they i feel like studios need to feel that pressure that people want they want these shows back. They want people writing them. They want people being in them. They, they miss it when it's not there. So I think that pressure is good. And the more we can get, the better for, for everybody. Oh, yeah. And I guess to, to go on top of both of those points, because I think that's incredible, is on one hand, just a reminder to everybody out there, much like everything else that is creative, that doesn't just like, you don't just sit down and kick out a masterpiece and then move on to the next thing. Like, especially if you're a part of the creation of a show, that's years and years of your time trying to figure out exactly what you want to say and how you want to say it. And to have that be only valued in that exact moment and then never again, 
that, that's brutal. And I think that would be the same as, as any of anyone out there listening. If your life's work was like, Oh, here's what that's worth right now. And then nothing else. And then on the flip side, and I, I stand for this when it comes to like music stuff. And the more that I've realized is that's just my chosen form of art currently, but this is for everything. Like look up the people that made the thing that you love because it's never just one person. It's not hard to find, you know, IMDB for anything in, in TV or, or, or film, look up who's involved and then check out what else they've done. Watch that. If you like someone's voice in that, maybe it's the actor, maybe it's the actress, maybe it's the director, the way he shoots it or she shoots it, but maybe it's also the writer who put those words in somebody's mouth and then see what else they've written. And a lot of times on top of all of that, just by going and watching, that's great. But especially for up and coming and independent writers, there's a lot of times a podcast, a Patreon, another creative site that you can look at. There are ways that you can directly support people too. And I've honestly found myself in the last, like it really started during COVID, I will admit, when I was just trying to figure out how to help. But now I have found myself kind of in these weird minutia realms of tracking artists that I really love and getting to see projects that they're working on, getting to, getting to see, Oh, Hey, me and these two other people are going to do one thing. You know, if for five bucks, like we're going to film it and you can watch it. That is so impactful for anyone involved in the little stuff like that. Patreon helps get people fed, helps make sure that people's healthcare is taken care of. So that's not the answer. Like, Direct support is not how we fix the system, but on a macro level, trying to find more things to watch by, by people you like or challenging yourself to watch stuff that you are completely unfamiliar with, great. But in the immediacy too, while tweeting about it, then find, if, if you are, if you have the means to do so, uh, you can financially directly support a lot of folks in what they're doing in their own endeavors. And financially, if that's not possible, those watches all count. And every tweet, every message, every hashtag also counts. Like there are so many ways that you can be an advocate for art and not just during this strike permanently. Like you can continue to do that. I don't know. I just go get involved with your favorite artists because it means a lot. <laughs> it doesn't always have to just be the on the plate that was presented to you by the big company. You can literally yeah. directly talk to the chef. And there's, um, you can donate to, there's, um, you can donate to WGA just in general. There's, you can get shirts on the website that go into the strike fund. I think you can donate directly into it. So if you go to the, mm. to the, um, the webpage for WGA, um, okay. of America, you can go there and you can check out other ways to help. There's probably, um, a lot of things I haven't mentioned that are on there that are super helpful, but, um, yeah, you can buy, buy a t-shirt and you know, that'll, that'll help somebody out, uh, down the line. You know, they do distribute those funds to writers as needed and they apply for them and, and such. So, um, yeah, there's also that to check out, which is <laughs> a great way that will have a ton of information and, um, yeah, be super helpful. Uh, for people that want to directly follow you more and, and track your art, what is the best way that you would want people to uh, to check you out? Yes, I'm on Twitter at my name, which is just Lizzie Molino um, at Twitter, on Twitter. Um, my Instagram is boring. I don't put anything interesting on that. <laughs> but yeah, follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can follow my sister, too. Her, her name's Wendy, Wendy Molino. She's on Twitter. Um, both the shows obviously have Twitter accounts. 
Instagrams, they're, uh, everything's streaming on Hulu, um, and you can watch everything on Fox. Um, really plugging myself here. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that's how you can check out more. Do, do people throw fan art at you with like their version of, of, they do. And I actually, I love fan art. Fan art is one of my favorite things when people tweet it. It like makes me so happy. I just think it's like the sweetest and like, I just, I love how people interpret the characters and sort of do their own take on them. And we do the, the show accounts do fan art Fridays too a lot. Oh, that's awesome. Retweet um artist um which is great it's i i love fan art i mean when bob's was first starting out like we didn't have the you know they weren't really like producing merch for bob's you know for the first three years so but etsy was like going crazy with bob's stuff and i bought a bunch of it because i was just like this is so rad so i love all that, that shit so yeah i love I love that. If you if you have any fan art, send it to me, please. I, I will do 100%. And uh, and if and when you and Matt are in Minnesota the next time, uh, I got to take you guys. One of my favorite pubs. It's about a, a mile from where we're currently recording this right here at Club Caraway. Uh, they were in the epicenter of a lot of the stuff going down with George Floyd during COVID. So they got shut down for COVID, and then there were the, the riots, and then they got firebombed, and then somebody came through and broke the windows. And they have framed in one of those paintings on metal where it's not, there's no frame to it. It's just like a mm-hmm. metal screen print. It is the uh, grand re, 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 reopening of Iron Door oh Pub. Oh my God, that's And amazing. it sits directly over the register, and it lives wow. there forever. And it was, I just, I stopped by there today to drop off uh, some work stuff. And I just looked up and I was like, I, I just love that that was the way that like these guys chose to, to memorialize that. Yeah, was, that's rad yeah. as hell. That's so cool. Cause you know that. what? It's just gonna, <laughs> shit's gonna keep happening. And you gotta figure it out. <laughs> yep. That's fantastic. I gotta see that. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be back soon. Well, uh, it has been an absolute treat to have you. Thank you so much for taking some time for us. Absolutely. This is so much fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you I for had a joining blast. us. Yeah. Uh, Charles, anything else you want to throw out there? Nada. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> what do you say we uh, grab the check and let the audience hear a little something from our sponsor? Hey, let's get out of you. Right. Lizzie, you're wonderful. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Guam, this has been a great sesh, but I got to tell you, I cannot wait to go home and crack a can of Plyff. Oh, yes. Yeah, I just want to relax before I call it a night, but I can't decide which of the three spectacular flavors I want to drink. Why don't you tell our listeners about the three flavors? Well, first of all, you got the OG, the original Tart Lime, uh, a low-dose THC version of a classic margarita. Yes. It's got all of that bright lime citrus and then sweetened with uh, organic agave real cane sugar, and monk fruit stevia. Lovely. Just a perfect balance of sweet and tart. Then we got crisp ginger, which is my jam. Yeah. So you got that beautiful, real ginger flavor, that spicy ginger flavor, offset with a little bit of uh, citrus lime in there. Mm. And then again, sweetened with agave, cane sugar, and then monk fruit stevia, keeping it at 50 calories with all of the flavor of your traditional Moscow mule. Right. And then, of course, the brand new flavor. We got juicy grapefruit. Oh, baby. Juicy. That juice. And it, the minute you crack into it, you just get that grapefruit grove, grapefruit blossom smell all around you. Pour it into a glass. It's beautifully sweet and tart together, kind of in the way that a ruby red grapefruit would be. Yes. And, oh, man, it just keeps me coming back. My mouth waters every time I think about it. And, again, just 50 calories for the whole thing. So you can make a Paloma but you're going to give up five times those calories. Right. So for this, I get all of that flavor. I get a low dose of four milligrams of THC and I get to have a wonderful night. 
I'm going to have a hard time deciding. I'm just going to have all three. I'll, de- <laughs> I'll decide in the Uber on the way home. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Let's call them. It's time to go have some. Let's do it.